It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, 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 the Vikings are going to play a preseason game. How exciting is that? Welcome to Locked On Vikings. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can always find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can always sh- find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts like Spotify, Himalaya, Google Podcasts, Podbean, what have you. And if you don't like any of those services, or if you're a commuter and you don't want to be looking at your phone, you can always just ask your smart device like Alexa, Google Home, or Siri if it's on your phone, or equivalent, play podcast Locked on Vikings, and that command should take you right to the most recent episode. And today, we have a preseason game to talk about. This is going to be the last show that you listen to before the Vikings actually play against Seattle on Sunday. And usually for uh, game previews, and in the regular season for game previews, I'd go very in-depth on the opponent and, and you know, where the, the interesting matchups are and what to watch for and the Vikings' opportunities to succeed and, and the things that are working against them that they'll have to watch out for and all that stuff. But since it's a preseason game and it doesn't really matter who wins, the, the conversation will be a little different. It'll be more about what players individually stand to gain, who has, you know, easy matchups and, and who kind of has the opportunities to, to rise or, you know, has, you know, big challenges and will just have to do their best not to fall because they get beat up on by a better player or whatever. And, and we'll go into all of that in just a minute. But first, there is a rumor that I want to address, and it creates an interesting thought experiment that I, I kind of want to get into in a little bit of depth. So on Wednesday, Albert Breer basically posted a big old news dump. It's what he does at, at Sports Illustrated. He posts big long articles with like a whole bunch of different tidbits and rumors and stuff in it, and that's how he reports. And amongst those reports was a rumor that the Vikings were shopping Laquan Treadwell, which might make you laugh right away. You might have giggled to yourself there, like, who would trade for Laquan Treadwell? And I do agree. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting thoughts that kind of go along with that that are worth uh, going into. So the first thing that I want to ask you to ask yourself is why you would want to get rid of Laquan Treadwell. Say you were in Rick Spielman's shoes and you had the power to get rid of him. Why do you want to get rid of him? Probably because he's not good enough to play for the Vikings, right? You don't think that he represents a, a, a good player and therefore it doesn't have value. And generally the thought process is, hey, if somebody's willing to, you know, toss you a conditional seventh round pick, it's better than nothing, right? It's better than just cutting him. So that's probably the logic that's going into this. You know, call around and say, hey, anybody want Laquan Treadwell? You know, we're not using him. Did somebody throw us something small and you can take Laquan Treadwell and see if you can't mold him into something because he's not working out over here. Uh, that's generally the the thought process. And chances are nobody in the team, nobody in the league is that stupid, and nobody is going to throw anything for Laquan Treadwell. If anything, they'll just wait for waivers and take their chances there. But if there is any interest, then, you know, the Vikings get to unload Laquan Treadwell and get anything in return. It's a win at this point, and it would really stink. And if it happened, we'd probably do a whole postmortem on the, on the whole thing because the Laquan Treadwell saga has kind of been at the forefront of just about every camp and just about every season. It's been saying, you know, is this finally the year that he shows something? And the answer has always been no. And that's really frustrating, right? And, and I think that there is something, and this is something that I always notice when a Laquan Treadwell conversation comes up, especially when it is a conversation about trading Laquan Treadwell or really trading anybody. I mean, every trade 
proposal that I see on like Twitter or other social media or, you know, fans in any community talking about. And they say, hey, you know, I wonder if like Washington would trade, you know, Riley Reef and Laquan Treadwell for Trent Williams because Trent Williams is going through a whole contract thing over there. And he doesn't like the training staff, so like they have to trade him. And maybe the you know they would do that and take Riley Reef, and we could go uh, get a better left tackle, and that would be awesome. And throw Treadwell in there just because. But the throw Treadwell in there just because thing is is kind of weird. And even in previous years, you know, Vikings fans have advocated all the time for cutting Laquan Treadwell uh, in the middle of the off season or cutting Laquan Treadwell in camp, even though because of the nature of how like first round rookie contracts are constructed, it would actually cost the Vikings money against the cap to cut him, but they still wanted to do it. They just wanted to get rid of him that badly. And now I see a similar thing where people are actually proposing like a Brock Osweiler style trade. If you don't remember, that was the trade where because the Texans had gotten into such a horrible contract situation with Brock Osweiler, who was obviously bad, uh, they, they traded him and a second round pick to the Browns in exchange for a fourth round pick. Yeah, so they gave up the player and more draft capital just to get rid of the contract, and it was a pretty extreme situation. Now, Laquan Treadwell's contract doesn't really represent the same burdens that Brock Osweiler's did for the Texans that year. Just a real quick breakdown. So there's three different kinds of money going on here. There's his base salary. None of that is guaranteed. If he doesn't make the team, he doesn't get it. That's like $650,000. There's his uh, signing bonus prorated, and I've explained that a bunch of times on the show, but if you're new or unfamiliar, that's money that the Vikings have already paid Laquan Treadwell. It's money he gets on the day he signs his contract, and the cap burden is prorated over a bunch of years, but there's no way to get rid of that cap burden. If you traded Laquan Treadwell, say, to the Texans or whoever, uh, you wouldn't get, uh, the, the Texans would not assume that cap liability. The Vikings have to pay that cap liability no matter what they do. So that money is kind of off the table. And then there's his fully guaranteed money, which the Vikings would would still have to pay him if they cut him, like if he didn't make the team. Uh, but if they traded him, the other team that they traded him to would then assume that responsibility. So the Vikings would be able to save that money. Those are the three different kinds of money that are, that are going on here. So the difference between cutting Laquan Treadwell and trading Laquan Treadwell is just that last kind, that fully guaranteed money, which in this case is $1.15 million. Now, when the Texans made their trade, they saved like $10 million against their cap, and they really, really had to do that because they needed a quarterback. The Vikings don't really have a need for like $1.15 million. They're actually going to save some naturally just because of their like specialist goings on. They're going to save about that much, whether they cut Matt Weil or Dan Bailey, and then add that to the money they saved by, by cutting Kevin McDermott. So, you know, when you get down to these nickel and dimes, like you don't need to give up a draft pick to save $1 million against the cap. There's a whole bunch of ways to do that. If truly you're just worried about the cap space. So here's what I think. I think a lot of people just want to get rid of Laquan Treadwell and they're, they're willing to give up actual assets just to alleviate the emotional pain of seeing Laquan Treadwell all the time and constantly thinking, God, that could have been Michael Thomas. And I get it. It's upsetting and it's frustrating, but we don't need to work that hard. You can just cut the guy. If somebody wants to toss a draft pick at the Vikings for Laquan Treadwell and make it so the Vikings can save a little bit more money, that's awesome. Of course, I would take it. That'd be great. I don't think anybody will, but I don't know. Maybe somebody's really dumb. But otherwise, he just would not make the team. And if he does make the team and he is one of the best five or six receivers on, on the roster, well, that's a huge indictment of the receiving core. Uh, but then I guess you wouldn't want to get rid of him, right? Because getting rid of him means you would have to roster somebody even worse. So I don't know. I say just let him try to make the team. If he can't beat out like Jordan Taylor and Dylan Mitchell, then he can't beat out Do Jordan Taylor and Dylan Mitchell. 
All in all, I think this is a rumor that they made a couple of phone calls just to see what was out there. There's no guarantee that any of it will materialize. There's not even a guarantee that it actually is true. Sometimes even like reporters like Albert Breer and you know Rappaport and Schefter get fooled by some false rumor that's going out or, or misreport something. Sometimes that happens. I mean, it happens to the best of them. So it, it could very likely end up just being nothing. And if it is anything, it's getting another late round pick, maybe recouping the pick you just gave up to get uh, Corey Vedvik. I've been pronouncing that wrong. It's Corey. Either way, it's it's roster bubble nickel and diming at a time when we have a whole preseason game to talk about that will have a much bigger effect on all of the, the roster bubble nickel and diming. So let's go ahead and talk about that. But before I get into it, of course, I have to talk about this show's sponsor. Uh, all week, it's BenBlueChew.com. Guys, you got to take intimacy seriously when you are in a relationship. It's not something to let go by the wayside just because your body can't keep up anymore. So I implore you, go check out bluechew.com. It's a chewable tablet that has all the same FDA-approved ingredients as like Viagra and Cialis, so you know exactly what you're getting into. And since it's a chewable tablet, it kicks in twice as fast. So when the moment's right, there's that much less waiting. Blue Chew is made in the U.S. and it ships directly to your door in a nice discreet box so there's no awkwardness and also it's cheaper because you can cut out the pharmacy. And Blue Chew isn't just for men of a certain age who are looking to reclaim their glory days. Maybe you think your performance is perfectly fine, and maybe you're right about that, but it could always be better. And let's be honest, your partner deserves it. So check out BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, and see what all the fuss is about. And as always, we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. TurboTax experts, make your moves count. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this Locked On podcast is brought to you by TurboTax. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts will make sure that they count for you. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? Well, that's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That is a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? That quite literally would be a move. Or maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house. Or you switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or maybe you just rode the stock market to the moon and back. Any of those things that you did or any other moves that you made, TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and every deduction you deserve, filing with 100% accuracy and getting you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax today. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, so enough about Laquan Treadwell and trades and, and weird rumors and thought experiments. Let's talk about the upcoming preseason game. The Vikings are going to go back on the football field and, and test their mettle against a playoff team, the second one. Now, the second preseason game is going to work a little bit differently than the first. What Mike Zimmer usually does for the first preseason game is put the starters out there for one series, and then so long as that series is somewhat sustained, it's not like a, a three and out or anything. In, in last week's case, it was a full touchdown. He'll take him out, and the second team plays out the rest of the game. Sometimes the first team will come out for a second series if like they have to just to get enough reps to practice enough things. But for the most part, he saves the second and third preseason games, and most teams do this, for the actual like warm-up part of it. So in terms of who's going to play and who's not going to play, I think the only real question marks are the injured guys like, you know, Linval Joseph probably won't play, Brian O'Neill probably won't play, and guys like uh, Dalvin Cook. 
I would like to see Dalvin Cook get a couple of licks in. There's actually evidence that that's better for injury-prone players to kind of get used to physical contact before getting into a full game's worth of action and kind of being thrown in the deep end. But it seems like the Vikings are being, like, insanely cautious with him. But what I would expect is whatever that first-team unit looks like, whoever the Vikings decide to include or not in that first-team unit, that unit will probably play two or three, maybe even four drives, and then the twos will take over from there, and then the threes and fours will finish out the game. So what I'm really interested to see, at least from the ones in this game, because we can actually kind of start to get a little bit more of an evaluation. You know, in last week's game, I spent a lot of time. I even did a whole, like, play-by-play breakdown thread of that first drive just because it was so small and manageable and I was having some fun with it. But you can't, like, glean anything, right? Like, yeah, Garrett Bradbury had a good game. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's any better or worse than we already thought he was. It was just one drive. But now you're going to get a a little bit more. So you're going to kind of be able to hopefully see if Garrett Bradbury has any glaring issues. Hopefully you see them show up in this game so you know exactly what you have to deal with. I'm especially interested to see what they do at the right tackle position. So since the Saints game where Rashad Hill had a god-awful game, I mean, he was horrible. He missed a bunch of blocks, got a couple of penalties. He was, like, especially highlighted, if you remember that big, long screen to Tyler Conklin. It was a play-action screen, really cute play design by Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski. Uh, but it was a, it was a play-action little screen dump off to Tyler Conklin that ended up going for like 35 yards. It was this crazy awesome play. And Rashad Hill was one of the lead blockers on that screen, and he was running all the way down the field to Tyler Conklin. This totally duped the Saints defense, so the two linemen blocking out front didn't actually have to do anything. But when Rashad Hill finally did come up to somebody, he totally whiffed the block, and that guy got the tackle. And that, to me, was one of the worst reps that I saw. I mean, the, the penalties are bad, and I think he gave up a couple pressures, too, and he was just, like, generally struggling all night. But that was particularly bad, because you basically had the whole run down the field to figure out where you were going to be, and you still couldn't get your hands on the guy. And he, you know, walked right past you. There were two... It was a two-on-one down the field for Tyler Conklin to turn that into, like, like a touchdown down the sideline. And the one guy got past your two offensive linemen that are literally there for only blocking. It was very disappointing. And all of this is to say Rashad Hill had a really bad day. And throughout this last week of camp, he hasn't been getting the first team reps. And I don't know if there's an injury there. It doesn't sound like there is one. And maybe the Vikings are just trying stuff out. Sometimes they do that. I mean, they do that with like Diggs and Thielen. They'll sit Thielen and give him a veteran day or, you know, give Adam Thielen some reps with the twos or whatever and rotate things around and give BC Johnson some reps with the ones. It doesn't mean that BC Johnson is suddenly above Thielen on the depth chart. And maybe this is the same thing. But Storm Norton got reps with the first team uh, offensive line. And with O'Neal out and Aviant Collins out, that meant that the second team offensive line was able to be populated with like Oli Udo and maybe even like Nate Wozniak or whoever. So what happens at that right tackle spot in the first team and then what happens at both tackle spots on the second team? I'm going to be very curious to, to see. And I'm especially curious to know where Oli Udo ends up because Udo had a pretty strong game against the Saints, which is very encouraging because his whole deal is that he's all kinds of athletic, but he was supposed to not have the technique. And if he shows like any technique, it means that he's ahead of schedule. And that's very exciting because it means that, you know, your sixth round depth pick can actually be a contributing member of your offensive line depth. And that's awesome. That's something that the Vikings have needed forever. So getting a guy like that in the sixth would represent a a huge swing in value compared to how the offensive line depth has been handled in the past. Now, the Seahawks' first-team defense is not exactly the vaunted unit that it has been in the years past. Uh, The defensive line is something that I know that Seahawks fans have really criticized very heavily. They still have guys like Bobby Wagner and and Shaquille Griffin, who is 
coming along to turn into like this really nice cornerback. So they definitely still have some players that are worth watching out for. Uh, but largely, this isn't going to be about matchups. This is still going to be more about what does Gary Kubiak want to drill in the very first moments of the, the 2019 season? What do these guys want to kind of establish as their base concepts? I mean, we saw a taste against the Saints, a lot of that, you know, under center play action, tight rollout kind of stuff. And I'd anticipate that we see a lot of the same stuff. I would like to see Irv Smith show up a little more in this game. You know, coming out of the draft when the Vikings drafted him, I basically came on this podcast and said, I'm really excited about this because I think that he is immediately pro-ready. He can come in and contribute right away. That has not borne out in camp. He does not look like he's ready to play at all. And he had a really rough time in the preseason game against the Saints. He struggled blocking. He struggled getting separation. He only had one catch despite being on the field for a very long time. So I would really want to keep an eye on him and see if, you know, anything comes from there. And of course, we'll always be watching to see what wide receivers break out. You know, BC Johnson was kind of the star of the show against the Saints, and that only really came from, you know, two catches. So there's still plenty of room for other players. Namely, I'm looking for Chad Beebe, who appears to have the wide receiver three position in in title right now. I'm looking for him to, to step up and do something. I'm looking for anything from Dylan Mitchell. It appears Laquan Treadwell really needs a play or two to happen. And there's still plenty of room for guys at the bottom of the roster, like Alexander Hollins or Davion Davis. I'll also be interested to see how the quarterback depth chart works. Um, I, I think it'll probably be in the same order that we've seen so far. I think, I mean, Jake Browning had a rougher week in camp. He didn't do a whole lot in the preseason game, mostly because the Vikings were ahead and in like two clock mode for whatever reason. So he didn't actually get that many passing attempts to showcase his talents. Not to mention, you know, Kyle Sloter had a pretty nice day and has had a really nice week in camp. He appears to really have warmed up and turned it on after struggling a lot in the first couple of weeks. So I think for now, you're still going to see, you know, Cousins, Mannion, Sloter, Browning. And I would be surprised if that order changed at all throughout the preseason. I actually would predict that it would stay the same. Uh, or sorry, I wouldn't be surprised, but I would predict that it stays the same. But yeah, if there's some shifting around after this game, I, I think, you know, this game will probably decide a lot of that. So before we get into the defense here real quick, I just want to shout out the Locked On NFL podcast with uh, Brian Peacock, who also uh, covered the 49ers for a while, and Matt Williamson. They are the flagship show for the NFL part of the Locked On podcast network, and you should really go check them out if you're looking for a more national perspective. Obviously, I get really deep into the Vikings, and if you're listening to this, it's probably because you're a Vikings fan, but it's also important to keep up with all of the other teams, so go check them out. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so let's get into the defense. And this is, I think, where there's going to be a little bit more intrigue on this side of the ball. You know, there's the wide receiver stuff and a couple of little tight end things here or there and what's the quarterback. But I think with with the defense, 
there's a lot of actual position battles going on that are getting real saucy. Like the defensive tackle battle is still really interesting. Uh, since we last checked in on that, I know I did like a whole thing on how Jalen Holmes and Hercules Mata'afa are kind of challenging Shamar Stefan. Shamar Stefan appears to still be in that first spot. Apparently they have not done well enough to usurp him entirely, although there's a lot of preseason to go. But mostly what makes this interesting is the Seahawks offense, because right now we are going to be able to test the Vikings defense against Russell Wilson. And those mobile quarterbacks have been just like killer against the Vikings forever, right? For for Mike Zimmer and beyond. And the real big issue with this, they were horrible at this last year. Part of it was, you know, Stephen Weatherly and Daniel Hunter just being young. Part of it is that Everson Griffin is, is way too aggressive. And they've struggled with Russell Wilson and the like, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers types, Mitch Trubisky now is doing this. Uh, They've struggled with these mobile quarterbacks forever, and it's because the Vikings have never been that good at keeping contained. So this is something as a defensive end that you're taught to do. When you're rushing a mobile quarterback, don't just pin your ears back and run at him because he will dodge you and then run toward the direction that you came from where there now is no defender and have all day to complete a pass. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers do this a hundred times. Mitch Trubisky just annihilated us in two games with that. And this is something that Everson Griffin has always struggled with throughout his whole career. He's always just been a little too aggressive because he's Everson Griffin. He wants to pin his ears back and go. It's the same thing that makes him jump off sides all the time. He is somebody that is always going to take the more aggressive and risky decision. And it leads to a ton of sacks. It's probably worth it, but it does create this weakness, which is something that I think is good to test in the preseason. Let's see how bad things are. And Daniel Hunter, I think... Hopefully he'll be a little bit less like Griffin in that regard because, you know, his issue has been one of youth. He's just young and still kind of, you know, that's that's a very nuanced veteran thing that a lot of defensive ends don't really figure out until they've been in the league for a few years. So I want to see if Daniel Hunter can, like, play it responsibly. And I don't care if, you know, Russell Wilson stands back in pockets and, and you know, because they're playing contain, he has extra time and the, the Seahawks drive down the field because of it and everybody will panic. But I'm just going to be looking and say, okay, did they play it responsibly? And if they played it responsibly, then I think in an actual regular season game when there's more exotic blitz, blitz packages and, uh, you know, when, when the defenses are playing more, like, realistically, where they'll probably play really soft and really off and stuff throughout these games just because that's the, the vanilla defense that doesn't tip your hand. Uh, you know, when, when they're in the regular season and they're not doing that, that contain is going to be the right move. So I, I might anticipate that the Russell Wilson, you know, moves down the field on this defense and then all the articles are going to be like oh my goodness is Mike Zimmer's defense broken what's going on are they bad now and in reality no it's the preseason and they play it differently but I want to see Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter specifically play very patiently and I think that guys like Odenabo and Steven Weatherly and you know edge rushers are going to be judged on their ability also to do that. Now, there's no guarantee that Mike Zimmer will agree with me here and, and ask the players to play contain. So if they don't play contain and they're very purposefully not playing contain, you know, don't get mad and say that they like they did the wrong thing because maybe Mike Zimmer is saying, no, just practice your pass rush reps against these tackles. If you get into the backfield, we're counting it as a win. It's the preseason. If he scrambles out and gets a big play on you, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, that's not what we're practicing right now. We're not worried about that. But I think with an opportunity to go against Russell Wilson, who's kind of the king of this, you should probably use it as an opportunity to, to say, okay, when you have to play contain, which you're going to have to at least four times against, you know, the two games against Rodgers and Trubisky, not to mention a game against Mahomes and a game against actually Russell Wilson himself in the regular season, like they are going to have to contend with this for a large portion of their season. And so I think it would behoove them to use this as an opportunity to practice those strategies. 
And of course, the key to that is getting a push up the middle. If you can, as an edge rusher, keep contain and just kind of, you know, collapse the pocket in on them, that's how you're supposed to get those mobile quarterbacks, is you're supposed to kind of bring the pocket in. You're not necessarily looking to, to penetrate and run at the guy because he can just dodge you and then break the pocket. You're looking to kind of collapse it in and suffocate that pocket so that he can't go anywhere, and then the pressure hurries the throw the way it's supposed to. So obviously we'll be looking at, you know, guys like Mata Afa, guys like uh, Jalen Holmes and Jaleel Johnson. Jaleel Johnson did not have the best day against the Saints. I kind of think that that one day that I saw him uh, in training camp where he was just like on another level might have been like kind of a one-off fluke. He's been having like a pretty up and down camp here, although he just needs to be of rotational quality. And with Shamar Stefan and Linval Joseph, they might not even need him. I still think he makes the team though. But all in all, he'll be a guy to watch. And then, you know, guys elsewhere on the route, like Curtis Cothran has been taking those tackle reps. Tito Denebo needs to show, like, literally anything or he could get cut tomorrow. He's been struggling horribly in camp. It doesn't sound like we're going to see Chris Boyd, and I think that's probably the most interesting name uh, of of the cornerback room. And we, I mean, we know how good Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes are. We know how good Mackenzie Alexander is. We we know really what we have in Holton Hill, I think, at this point. It's just a matter of, of his off-field stuff. And all the other guys around, I mean, Nate Midors and, like, Craig James, I mean, they're not guys that really carry interesting storylines like Chris Boyd. But Chris Boyd has been hurt, and it seems like if you're hurt at this point, you probably aren't playing. I would love to see Chris Boyd play though. But outside of the secondary where there isn't all that much intrigue anymore, the questions that we have are kind of answered. I mean, it's a very interesting group to discuss, but we've discussed it plenty and I don't think that we stand to learn too much else. The linebackers are really interesting and I can't get out of my head that Mike Zimmer said that he would consider keeping seven, essentially endorsing all of the depth linebackers. Now, I have in my roster tiers right now four guys that are in high enough tiers to basically say I'm guaranteeing them a roster spot, right? That's Barr, Kendricks, Ben Gideon and Eric Wilson. I would be absolutely stunned if any of those guys got cut. Now, typically the team has kept six or seven linebackers, and usually when there is a seventh linebacker, it's entirely a special teams role. And I mean, think about that, right? Like, we live in a two-linebacker world. I think the Vikings were in their nickel package, like 75% of the snaps, and that was like average for the league. That's not an anomaly or anything. So two linebackers is pretty much the norm, and you have two backups there, but Gideon and Wilson, and then two third stringers. And having a seventh guy, that guy is never going to see the field unless the group gets really, really depleted. So to be worth a roster spot, that guy has to excel on special teams. So watching the linebackers, both in, you know, the the kind of deep parts of the game when you're watching like Rashard Cliette and Cameron Smith and Kentrell Brothers and seeing what those guys can do, but also watching them on kickoff units. You know, the the kickoff uh, coverage has been really spotty in the first preseason game, and, and we saw a lot of players make a lot of mistakes, and that's how guys really get cut, is on those special teams units. So, uh, you know, it, it might be boring to you, but pay a lot of attention when the Vikings are punting or kicking off. Uh, you know, see who whiffs on blocks on kickoffs, see who overruns or, or leaves their gap and, you know, lets Tyler Lockett or whoever get a big kick return. That's going to be really, really informative toward, like, who actually ends up making this team. I remember, I think it was uh, Trevon Mathis last year who had like a reasonable preseason as a corner, but he failed a lot on special teams, didn't make the cut and didn't even make the practice squad. That back end linebacker group is getting very crowded. If you assume equal chances, and I think I have them all in the roster bubble tier, but you have Greer Martini, Cameron Smith, Kentrell Brothers, Devontae Downs, and Richard Cliette. Those are your five guys. 
And in all likelihood, you're keeping two. Mike Zimmer said he might keep three of those guys, essentially by saying, you know, maybe I'll keep seven, you might keep three of those guys. But those are all five going to be players to watch for this particular preseason game, and especially on special teams, but also when they actually are playing their defensive roles. You know, who's going to get like a random interception off of a third string quarterback? That kind of thing has huge impacts this time of year. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the specialist situation real quick. I mean, I, I've spoken about it ad nauseum this week, so just real quick. It'll just be interesting to see what uh, Corey Vedvik does. Matt Weil still has stitches on his hand, so he probably won't participate. I would anticipate then that Corey Vedvik punts and uh, Dan Bailey kicks. I am interested to see who ends up holding. Last time we saw it was Chad Beebe. They've had Thielen try. Uh, they might have Vedvik try, though. He ha has plenty of experience with that. So if he can outhold and outpunt Matt Weil, then, well, kind of the writing's on the wall for Matt Weil. And because Matt Weil's on the sideline, there's nothing he can do about it. This is Vedvik's chance to really kind of prove himself and, and overtake someone and, and just kind of answer the question once and for all. There's nothing standing in his way. So there will be plenty of stuff to watch for throughout this preseason game. I usually live tweet the games uh, on my Twitter account at LukeBronNFL. Uh, I will actually, unfortunately, I'll be working during this game. So I'll be watching and I'll try to engage a little bit, but I'll probably be a little bit more distant. But of course, you can still expect the Monday show to be a preview or a review of the game. And I'll probably do some rewatch stuff on Tuesday just so that I can really kind of sit down and focus on it a little bit better because I'm really going to want to like hone in on certain players and I usually can't do that, you know, when I'm watching the game live in general, but much less when I'm actually trying to focus on doing my job. And then the Wednesday show will probably be a, a roster prediction update. I've been promising that for forever, so I'll definitely make sure that I get that into you. And then the Thursday show would be the preview of the third game. So that's roughly what you can look at for next week. Of course, if any major news breaks, that'll throw a whole wrench in it, so no promises. But that's roughly what I'm thinking of doing. Uh, in the meantime, though, you can always find me again on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. I will see you guys all next Monday. You can, of course, find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, and you can also find this show by asking your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. I will see you all Monday, and as always, skull. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.